0: Morning to Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, yes, 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 God is so wonderful, so good. I was talking to someone recently driving in the car, I was like, I don't remember the world before YouTube. How did we function before the internet, and YouTube? And uh, I don't, but I don't know how I functioned. Before I grabbed the Lord by the hand. How did I even, how did we make it? It was grace even then, wasn't it? God being good to us even when we were His enemies. That's just the way He is. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 6. Let me join you over there. And let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we, we would just humbly ask you, sir, uh, to get involved with us. We recognize your presence. We're gathered together here in the name of Jesus, so we know the head of the church is right here in the midst. Just walk the aisles among us, Jesus. Let the angels of God have their way. I just so thank you, Father, for ministering specifically to every individual need. Father, I have something in my heart I'm going to be teaching and ministering on, but Father, while these precious people are sitting under the ministry of Uh, my ministry in the pastor's room that uh, you could speak to them about the most pressing thing that they need to hear you on and it may be totally off subject of what I'm preaching about but God they they brought themselves they're put put themselves in the right place I just thank you that you give us all ears to hear uh, a heart that takes hold that God you're gracing us to be what we need to be and that's not just a hearer but a faithful doer of that which we hear God, we thank you for all of it in Jesus' name. And again, one more time, at least, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, for our visitors and guests, I've uh, on Sunday mornings, I think this is lesson number three in a series uh, that we're in right now I'm calling Dressed for Battle. Dressed for Battle. And uh, you could get on our website, our podcast, on our app, wherever, many, many places and catch up with us. The Lord had quickened to me about diving into a study on the armor of God and connecting it to, as Paul did, the prayer life. The armor of God is is applicable for many applications, but it's primarily spoken of and taught by the Apostle Paul in connection to our prayer life. So all of the elements of the armor of God are to equip us and to make us ready to pray. Not just to go to work. Now, go to work with your armor on. That's a good idea. Praise God. Uh, Amen. Because he said, having put on the whole armor of God, we'll read it in a minute. He said, then you will be able to stand against all the strategies, all of them, all of the strategies of the the devil, and to be able to withstand and stand your ground in an evil day like we're in now. Amen. Amen. But notice, having put on the whole armor of God, if you're familiar with this passage, verse 18 says, praying always, or praying without ceasing. And that just means, I know you've got to sleep, you've got to eat, praise God. We, we have to talk to our kids and different things. You can't just pray 24-7. What he means is, is that we should be maintaining an attitude of prayer, conscious of His presence all the time, and that we're talking to the Lord all the time. You know, the great Smith Wigglesworth, this might surprise you, but he said, I never pray longer than 30 minutes. But he also said, I never go 30 minutes without praying. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And so, you know, oftentimes his habit, he would spend a whole day. He'd pray for 30 minutes, read the Bible for 30 minutes, pray for 30 minutes, read the Bible. But whatever works for you, amen. We just need to be more conscious of God but having this uh, understanding of what I'm saying is going to be important for what we're talking about today and what we're going to do tonight, this evening, from 4 to 5 o'clock in praying for the nation, is, is the relationship between the armor of God and our prayer life. I want you to keep that in the forefront of your thinking, if you would. Praise God. So, uh, here in Ephesians 6, beginning again in verse 10, Paul says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. A lot of people trying to be strong in themselves. God never said anything about you being strong in yourself. He said to be strong in the Lord. You being strong in yourself is way overrated. If you'll be strong in the Word, right? You'll be strong in the Word and in the power of His might, meaning the Holy Ghost, you won't have to worry about personal strength. Because Christ will have become your strength. I can do all things through Christ, that anoint, the anointed one and His anointing, that strengthens me. I like the Amplified of verse 10. It says, Paul said, be empowered through your union with Him. So see, it's just very important to, that you are not living your Christian life religiously. But that you have a personal experience with Jesus. Not just way back there at Bible school where you invited Jesus to live in your heart. Thank God for that. But you're supposed to be living in and having and enjoying an intimate, real union and relationship between you and Him and Him and you. In fact, this is why many, many uh, Christian prayers go unanswered. Because they're praying out of a dry religious foundation and not a relational foundation. Jesus said in John chapter 15, don't turn there, but verse 7, He says, If you, Jesus said, if you abide in Me, if you maintain a living, constant union with Me, you know, I'm paraphrasing, I think, the Amplified and my word abides and lives and makes its home in you, then you shall ask, that's prayer, whatever it is you desire, and it will be done for you. But do you see there that uh, everything you ask being done for you is predicated on you having and maintaining an intimate union with Jesus, you and Him. And that is not only possible as a Christian, it is the whole point. It's the whole point of your redemption. It's the whole point about why you were created. It's the whole point why Jesus went to the cross and died for you. It wasn't so that you could serve Him. Now, I serve Him. You should serve Him. But His ultimate pinnacle, the aim for why He redeemed you, is so that you could know Him and so that He could know you. And so, if that's not going on in your life, you've just missed the whole kit and caboodle. You just missed the whole thing about what it means to be a Christian. And you're cheating yourself. You're robbing yourself because you and Jesus just have a great time together daily. And see, it's so Paul says be empowered. Doesn't matter what the devil's bringing your way, doesn't matter what you're facing. Be empowered through your union with him, be empowered through your relationship with him. Weak Christians are advertising they don't fellowship with the Master. That's why they're weak. If they were fellowshipping with the King of Kings, right? That Isaiah said it this way in Isaiah chapter 40, that there's a divine exchange that takes place, that those that wait upon the Lord, what? They are strengthened. They are renewed, right? They, they are caused by God to soar on the wings of eagles, they shall run and grow, not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Why? Because they are communing with the Lord. And God is taking their weakness and He is imparting His strength into them. <laughs> if all your devices are dead, you're telling me your devices aren't having sufficient fellowship with the charger. That's right? Right? Oh, praise God. God's made so much of this so simple. So Paul says, be empowered through your union with Him. Draw your strength from Him. See, the my device of it, I, I've got it. I, I come church, if I'm going to use it, uh, 100% charged. Yeah. I don't want a power failure. You know, when you meet the devil this week, are you going to have a power failure? Or are you going to meet him having been strengthened by the might of his spirit? Verse 11, I'll go on and read it in the Amplified. Paul said, put on God's whole armor. The armor of a heavy armed soldier. I want to stop there and be redundant on purpose again. If you've been with me in these three teachings. Um, Do you have the mindset of a soldier as a Christian? Could I as your pastor order you to do something and you not be touchy and offended, would you actually come through and do it? I don't mean in a harsh way. Obviously, we're family. We're in covenant together. We're sweet. But there is a mindset, right, where soldiers do what they're told. Soldiers show up. Soldiers fight. Soldiers hold their place. Soldiers occupy a foxhole. Soldiers perform a duty. There there needs to be an element of attitude and heart and mindset about your Christian life that is likened unto a soldier. Some of you are so sweet. uh, Sometimes I get in the flesh and I wonder, why have you put up with me all these years, 19 years in November, (laughs) right? And uh, some of you, you know, I have to remind myself, they are volunteers. They are volunteers. They are volunteers. And that's a good thing to remember. I don't want to be harsh, but some of the people are so sweet. You know, if I tell them to do something, man, they're just going to make it happen. If they have to take a day off work. I mean I didn't I didn't even think to ask Sister Karen if this was going to impact her you know work life when to to put this whole hospitality thing together. Did you take days off, Sister Karen? You do. Come on. Took days off to cook and be in the kitchen and create a great atmosphere for us as preachers to have some fellowship with our spiritual father. I didn't even ask her. Sorry. Kinda. But see, if I know her, and I do, well enough, it's a joy for her. Because this is part of her ministry. It's part of her ministry. The praise team showing up here every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. You don't do that on Sunday morning, right? 8 a.m. Do it faithfully. Do it faithfully. Praise God. If, I bet you ask them, do you ever feel like being here at 8 a.m.? You ever not feel like that? Well, see, it's the mentality of a soldier that presses through those lazy tendencies. But do you see how the body of Christ in, in the American church? I don't want to put this off on the Indian church, because they're not like this. They will march through jungles all day. And they're mad, because they march through the jungle all day. You preach an hour and say we're done. They are upset. You're going to be there half the day, lay hands on them three times, you're going to give them. And that's the way they ought, right? Because they have marched barefoot, some of them, through them. And the national animal in India is the Bengal tiger. You just see in America, we're so spoiled. And I'm grateful for our prosperity. I'm great. We live, all of us, like kings. You have a microwave, you have a cell phone, you have a car. I mean, you're rich. Richer than billions of people on the planet. Billions of people live on less than a dollar a day in the world. I spend far more than that just on coffee. And we believe in prosperity. But see, if you're not going to become a casualty in these last days, if you're going to actually be a tool in the hand of the Lord that He can really use for your glory, you need to adopt, voluntarily take upon yourself the mindset of a soldier. Soldiers are the ones that wear this armor. Everybody wants a desk job in the body of Christ. You know? Everybody, you know, most people, and some of you might not, if I ask you to do the offering, oh yes, praise God, I get to get up and do my thing, praise God. But serve back in the nursery? No, not so much. <laughs> Amen? Praise God. Well, I'm not going to leave this point until I feel like my heart that you've, you've got this. Paul told Timothy, buck up, son. Buck up, that's the Cody translation, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. It's like Dr. Jacob said, I think, more than once during these last series of meetings, it hadn't all been fun. I can identify with that. There's most of the process of building this building, right? For God, for this, for the kingdom, for this church, has wasn't fun. There were elements, but man, there's there were some stuff. It's the least fun things I've ever done in my life. But it's the will of God. Amen. If coming and praying this afternoon for an hour doesn't sound fun to you, well, come on, soldier. Soldier up. Are we really going to give our nation over into the hands of our enemies because we're too lazy? We want to sit on the couch because we have to work tomorrow? That's not a soldier's mentality. Well, it's not convenient. Does the soldier get to say, does the private get to say to the sergeant, Sir, I just can't do that. That's not a convenient thing. I I really, you know, I'm not excited about scrubbing my commode with a toothbrush. I know they make larger brushes for that job. No, he doesn't get to say that, does he? He gets to say, yes, sir. And if he doesn't do it to the sergeant's liking, he will do it again, and do it again, and do it again, and if he bucks up, he might be doing latrine duty. Oh, we're having fun already this morning. I... There is some icing and some sweet stuff in this message, but we have to get to it. Come on, are you willing to be a soldier? Okay, about 20%. Hallelujah. Some of you, I don't think if I said, I'm going to give you a million dollars after the service, you're not going to raise your hand. Hallelujah. Praise God. Okay, well, Father, I did my best. Glory to God. So in talking about this armor, he said, put it all on. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes or the strategies of the devil. You know, the devil's out there. He is defeated, but he's out there and he's coming for you. And he's got a strategy. Remember Dr. Jacobs talking about that scripture in Psalms where the the evil spirit is walking around and taking notes? See, that's so they can go back to the planners and plan how they can ensnare you and entrap you and hinder you and stop you from moving forward. But it's the armor of God that's going to enable us to get past all of that. Hallelujah. We talked about the first piece of armor that he mentioned Uh, the last time that I got to preach two Sundays ago, talking about the belt of truth. Uh, In Romans, it's called the armor of light. How important is, we live in a dark world. But praise God for light. Why are so many Christians sick? Not that they're not good people. Not that they don't love Jesus. But they don't have light on what is promised and available to them. It's available, but they have to seek that. They have to walk in that. They have to develop that in their own life. A lot of Christians broken, struggling financially. A lot of broken marriages. A lot of broken families. Why, why? is all that in the body of Christ? Because they're not they're they're driving their life, but acor- they're not they're not coming in and, and they're not doing it according to the handbook. It's really sad to see that that uh, last time I checked that. Uh, the divorce rate uh, in, in the church among the Christians was 1% higher than it was in the world. That's really sad. See, we're not, we're not paying attention. We're not doing things God's way. But we can and we should. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I've already been preaching a good little bit here. I want to get to my uh, meat and taters. Is that what Dad would say? Praise God. Uh, notice what he said. Uh, Praise God. Skip down to verse 14. Paul says, Stand therefore, having this armor on, having your loins girt about with truth. We talked about that. Then he said, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Having on the breastplate of righteousness. And so we're going to talk about that for a minute or two. This breastplate, I don't have the picture of the armor of God, but you've got that figured out, right? This is going to be the main uh, front piece of the armor that's going to cover the heart, the lungs, the vital organs, the torso. It's going to sit atop and attach to the belt of truth. It's going to go up all the way. It'll have, you know, to the, to the top, to the shoulders. Praise God. Uh, don't turn there, but in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, uh, the New Living Translation says this, Stand your ground. Actually, this is Ephesians 6, 14, just a different translation. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor, the body armor of God's righteousness. I actually came across an ad recently about uh, body armor you can buy that's, you know, available to civilians for like preppers. You know, people getting ready for the zombie apocalypse. And, uh, and man, they, were, they shot bullets into this thing. Didn't go nowhere. This guy had a long dagger and he's stabbing at it. Nothing happening to it. That's like a modern version of what this is. Praise God. And I like how the New Living... Uh, tells it, the body armor of God's righteousness. So notice this, God's righteousness is your body armor. The righteousness of God is a breastplate. And it is occupying a vitally important piece of real estate on the human body, metaphorically, right? So again, notice, just naturally speaking, the breastplate is going to cover your heart. Can't live without that. Your lungs, your breath, your, your, uh, your, your vital organs, your innards. Your, you know, and this is all just symbolic of, spiritually speaking, the righteousness of God is a piece of body armor that goes over your spirit, protects your soul. The most intimate, delicate, and important, vital part of your being, God put a protective piece of armor over that, and it's called His righteousness. <laughs> Praise God. Now again, we're gonna think about it, we're gonna connect this to prayer, to our prayer life. Uh, don't go there. In 2 Corinthians 6, 7, it says this. Paul had talked about all the opposition and the different things he dealt with. And then he goes into this wonderful, um, I don't want to call it a rant, a wonderful list where he's spouting off things that enabled him to conquer in the midst of such trouble and opposition from the devil. And in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 6, 7, he says, By the word of truth he was able to combat and have victory. Then it says, By the power of God. He's able to have victory. And then it says, By the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. So he mentions that again. The New Living Translation of that says, We use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and the left hand for defense. Praise God. So again, I want to say this to you. Don't forget, all of this armor is spiritual and has spiritual application it's to enable you to be defended in the spirit arena and to have victories in spiritual battles and why do you should even care about that because how you're doing in the spirit is going to show up in the natural it's going to show up out here in your life all sin is spiritual all sickness I don't have time to preach two hours on this, I could. But all sickness has its root spiritually. All sickness has a spiritual root. Doesn't mean you're off spiritually, but I'm saying, why is there sickness out here at all? Because of sin, which is spiritual. Poverty, its deepest root is spiritual. Poverty came in the same day sickness came in, and for the same reason. Amen. So, your, notice he said God's righteousness, so we're not talking about your righteousness. We are talking about God's righteousness. God's righteousness on your life is a defensive covering. I looked up the word for armor. And the dictionary said armor is a defensive covering. A covering used in combat. I like this, a armor is a quality that affords you protection. Deeper we go into these last days, the higher protection is coming up on my, my number 1 right list. Thank God for supply, thank God, for, but I want God's protection. I want God's protection against coronavirus and God's protection against violence, God's protection against crime, God's protection against accidents, God's protection against financial attacks, amen, all of it's available. And God's righteousness is a quality that affords the believer protection. Now hang with me, don't get weary because I'm about to tell you why, (laughs) See, what is righteousness? God's righteousness. Righteousness is the ability for you to go into the presence of God and function there as if sin had never existed before in your life. Think about that. Righteousness. God's righteousness put on as a defensive covering is a quality that affords you protection why? Because it gives you standing with the Father. The gift of righteousness gives you and I legal, blood-bought, covenant standing with the God of the universe. The God of all power. The God of all might. You know, many, 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 and I'm glad about it, lawsuits are thrown out you, on the basis of what? They have no standing. Even if there's... they, they Like if... Uh, uh, oh, gosh, help me, Father, with an illustration here. Um, let's just say my, my brother, brother Jerry, here is slandered by another brother. I can't sue for libel for brother Jerry. I don't have standing. It didn't happen to me. I don't have anything to do with it. Jerry could sue for libel, right? because he's got standing. You can't just bring some lawsuit for no reason. You have to have standing. And a lot of lawsuits are just thrown out, not because there's not a legitimate thing there, but because they don't have standing. They don't have jurisdiction. They don't have a legal right to come and bring that before the judge. God's gift of righteousness gives us legal standing to come into the presence of God as if sin had never, ever happened in your life. Ever. I don't care what you've done. This is where you get perk up. This is the icing. This is, you know, right? Go over with me to Romans. I don't know if you're... I gave you a Wednesday night off. You act like you're asleep on me this morning. I'll come out there and tickle you. Oh, praise God. Can you give me a few more minutes? We're doing great on time. Glory to God. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. I want you to see something here in verse 17. Romans 5, 17. Paul, again, writing, says this, For if by one man's offense, talking about Adam's sin, death reigned, that means ruled or dominated, by one, much more they which receive, Now he's going to mention two things. Number one, abundance of grace. Aren't you glad for that? Abundance of grace, that's number one. And number two, those who have received the gift, what do you call it? Called it a gift. The gift of righteousness. What shall they do? Reign in life. R-E-I-G-N, like a king. Rule, dominate, like a king in life. What life? In the sweet bye-bye when we get to heaven? Oh, when we all get to heaven. No, he means this life. You and I are supposed to reign, rule, rule dominate in life we got to deal with the devil we're gonna have to contend with him to dominate and we should but we have to have received the gift of the breastplate the armor of God's righteousness you see if you take God if I were to take God's righteousness off of me and try to go to God I don't deserve to get to go to God I've sinned against him I've transgressed against him I am NOT worthy To have an audience with God on the basis of my righteousness. You're in the same boat with me. You're in the same boat with me or worse. We have no standing with the Father. Well, I've been a good boy. Not good enough. Just one sin damns the soul for all eternity. That's how holy He is. That's the standard. And none of us deserve to be able to even talk to Him. The Bible says in the Old Testament that our righteousness is in His sight as filthy rags. And we could never earn and become self-righteous enough for God to go, Come on in. No, no, never. We needed a Savior. We needed a Redeemer. And Jesus said, I'll be that Redeemer. I'll be that sacrifice. And so He went and became what we were so that we could be made what He was and is today. 2 Corinthians 5, yes, verse 21 says, For He, Jesus, who knew no sin was made to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Come on. This is who you are today as a Christian. And you became the righteousness of God in Christ the moment you accepted Jesus as your Lord. Hallelujah. Righteousness, God's very own perfect, just, holy righteousness, was imputed to your spirit when you got born again. And from that moment, the Father says, Come boldly. Where before, a moment before, you couldn't come into His presence, you had no approach. But on the other side of that prayer, on the other side of your conversion, on the other side of being born again, you're in the family. Amen. See, our legal standing with the Father is not, it's not even as great as, you know, Jerry having legal standing to go before a judge. Our standing is so much higher than that. We have the standing of sons and daughters. That's a higher, come on, that's a higher, that's the highest standard you can get. God's righteousness. Have you received the gift of God's righteousness? Have you put it on? Every day you ought to put on, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, how does this, trying to watch the time, uh, how does this become a defense? How does this become a a covering for protection? Well, because the enemy, our adversary, is going to hurl fiery darts at you fiery darts of accusations. He's going to to want to tell you how unworthy you are, how many times you've missed it, how poorly you've performed, how badly you have failed. And He wants to build that sense of unworthiness in you so much so that it will affect your prayer life. See, the one who does not know that they are the righteousness of God in Christ, that it's a gift and it doesn't have anything to do with their performance, is going to pray different. They pray things like this, Oh, Father, I know I'm just so beggar, I'm just so unworthy. I know I, have, I, have no, I have just have no right to come before you, but please be with Sister Gertrude in this surgery. And If it's your will to help her, do it. And if not, let her die. I mean, there's these weak, beggarly, unworthy type of prayers. Why do they pray like that? They are conscious of their sin. They are conscious. They are so aware of their faults and their failures and their disobedience and their their lack of faith that it shows up when they try to approach a holy God, a perfect God, an awesome God. Wouldn't you think it's strange, Brother Trevor? Malachi approached you like that for a new pair of shoes. Oh, oh, Dad! Oh, Dad! I know I'm so rotten. I know I don't make my bed good enough to meet your standard, and you know I'm just so. But you know I've got holes in the bottom of my shoes, Daddy. And if you just, you just sit. wouldn't you want to go? Shh, shh. What is wrong with you? You're my son, right? You would just. This is the way the father is. He doesn't want us coming to Him in an unworthy attitude. Listen, if you've sinned, repent. If you've sinned against God, you need to repent. You need to confess that. But let go back to Isaiah. Can, Can you guys hang with me a little bit? Oh, I don't want to leave you right here. Isaiah 43. See, the enemy has a strategy. To hinder you, to keep you from taking your place in healing, taking your place in authority, taking your place in your anointing, taking your place in your ministry in the body of Christ, taking your place as the blessed, taking your place as the prosperous, as the victorious. And one of his primary strategies is he's gonna heap accusations on you. And the, the reasons why these arrows are so sharp is because you're. going to come to Brother Lon and accuse him with some off the wall thing that I did he's going to accuse Brother Lon with what Brother Lon did and see what Satan needs us to do his device, his strategy is to get you to disqualify yourself from receiving oh I'm not coming tonight God doesn't hear my prayers anyway it's not going to matter if I come Come and pray, God, God doesn't hear me See, you've disqualified yourself from mattering to the body of Christ. Get over yourself. The gift of righteousness is yours too. Put on the breastplate of righteousness and see it will cover and protect your spirit, your soul from the accusations of the devil. God doesn't answer my prayers because I'm all that in a bag of chips. I'm not. I don't approach, the, I don't approach God based on my merit. The Bible says in Hebrews that we are invited to come behind the very veil into the holy of holies by a new and a living way with our hearts and our spirits sprinkled with the blood that speaks. Praise God, the blood of Jesus. I don't go and pray to the Father in my name. Oh, Father, in the name of Chris, I'm asking you to pay. No, no, I'm coming in the name of Jesus. (laughs) Right? And when God hears me pray in His name, that's He receives my prayer as if it was Jesus praying it. Aren't you glad de- Jesus, the Father, deals with us not on the basis of what you've done or not done, but on the basis of what Jesus did do? And that is a defense against the arrows of the enemy that want to tell you you're not good enough. You've failed too many times. You have crossed some line. You just need to sit on the sidelines and and just be glad you're saved. And that's why the devil sidelines Christians. He has talked them into disqualifying themselves from taking a bold place in prayer as a son, as a daughter. Hallelujah. Where did I say? Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43, verse 25. Look at what God said. Isaiah 43, verse 25. God says, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for your sake. No, for my sake. For my sake, he said. He said, I'm doing this for my benefit. I like to make it personal. So when I read this, I I, I try to hear God saying to me, Chris, I, even I, that is blotted out, son, your sins, for my own sake. Come on, isn't it precious? For my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. Woo, come on. What is the very next verse? What does it say? Put me in remembrance. You know what that is? That's prayer. He is saying with this knowledge that I don't even remember your sins, come put me in remembrance of what? Of my promises. You think about it. God's forgotten everything you've done wrong. In your sight, you're perfect. You're holy. You're blameless. If you've repented. Right? If you've repented. So when you come to Him... Is he thinking, here comes PJ? Here he comes. Man, I've been watching him trip and stumble and fall and fail and disobey me all week. Here he comes. No! No! Listen, if you've confessed your sin, he's forgotten it. There's another verse back here in Isaiah said he's cast it into the sea of forgetfulness. You're the only one remembering it. You're the only one that thinks it matters. That you had an abortion, that you got divorced, that you hadn't paid your tithes in 10 years, that you've been unfaithful. If you've made that right with God, if you've repented and put the blood of Jesus on it, he goes, delete, bleach bit, delete, I mean gone forever. And God's not thinking about it. But the devil wants you to. The devil wants you to. But see, when you come to prayer, and you, the devil does not want you in this place of prayer tonight. He knows how dangerous it is. He thinks, I'm sure he thinks he's got America. But we can snatch victory out of the jaws of seeming defeat if we will come as a body of Christ and take our place in prayer and stand against Him, bind Him... Tell him enough is enough. And, but you think, what would give me the right to do, say that to the devil? The gift of righteousness. Yeah. Yeah. The breastplate of righteousness that gave you standing with the Father to be the most authoritative, powerful intercessor on the planet. Yeah. There's nothing stopping you but an unrenewed mind and lazy flesh. Me too. We have the same standing with our Father as Jesus does. Not based on what you do. Remember, it's a gift. Don't get puffed up. But you ought to get puffed up on the devil. Why should you receive your healing right now? I mean like right now. Because you're the righteousness of God in Christ. Why should you be forever done with depression? I mean, you're done with it. I'm done. I'm done being sad. I'm done. I'm done being sad. I'm done being gloomy. I'm done being down. Done! Why? I'm the righteousness of God. I've got standing with the Father, and I've got a covenant benefit that promises me the joy of the Lord. And just be humble enough to take it, to receive it. Religion will tell you it's humble to to bring yourself low. Humble to. Uh, when I say bring yourself low in that context, I mean to uh, dog yourself down. To talk up how unworthy you are. To talk your failure. To talk, that's why Christians are weak in faith. They talk their failure. They talk their disobedience. The devil's got a hold of their mouth. Stop letting the devil have control of your mouth. Just by faith begin to declare who you are in Christ. You are a new creation. Come on. You are complete in Him. Before the Father, all of us who know Jesus, we are accepted and unblameable and unreprovable in His sight. He loves us. And He needs us to stop falling prey to these tactics of the enemy and to take our place in prayer, not only to grab hold of your own covenant rights for your family. Come on, get the devil out of your house. Get the devil out of your finances. Get the devil out of your marriage. Get the devil out of your mind. Come on, W.C., come up higher. Come up higher. The mandate on my life, one of them, is lift the standard. Come up higher and take your place. It's not about you. It's not about what happened yesterday. Your past is to be forgotten. And if it happened this morning on the way to the church, you know what that is? Past. (laughs) Confess it if you need to. Get the blood of Jesus on it fast as you can so that God forgets it. And then go on with your good self. I was party to an abortion in my younger years. Paid for one. Maybe you knew that, maybe you didn't. And it's not something I'm proud of. But I don't walk around a trace of a sense of guilt or shame. And I can freely tell when the Lord would lead me to about my testimony and the choices I made, the the pain it caused, the aftermath, what I went through when you go that route with the devil, and not have to go home and have Dr. Jacobs lay hands on me so I can get delivered because it was so painful for me to talk about. It's not arrogance, and it's not a flippant attitude I have about it. I am forgiven. Think different about me if you want in that knowledge. I don't care. (laughs) Paul was a murderer. David was a murderer. And I got myself down to a really low place. Suicidal, drunk in a frat party. In no small part... Dealing with the emotional aftermath of all of that crap that I put myself through. And her and other family members and everything. And the guilt and the shame. But God still loved me. God still saw His plan. God extended a hand toward me. And He's in extending a hand towards you if you need it. See, this is why, as I minister, I don't have any stones to throw at anybody. You commit adultery, that's a horrible thing. You ought to stop it right now repent. But then after you do, go on with God. Go on with God. Repair your marriage. Do what you can. If they don't want you anymore, that's a consequence. And just go on and experience God's grace in your life. The enemy would have loved for me to kill myself at that moment in the guilt and unworthiness of my sin. Had I done that, none of the people that have been healed since then would would have been healed. None of the people that have gotten saved would have gotten saved under my ministry. None of the books would have been written. Amber and I wouldn't be a thing. Faith, Rex, and Ryan wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be here having this moment. See, the devil wants to push you out To the sidelines of disqualification by constantly trying to remind you of what you've done wrong and it's this breastplate of righteousness so when you're praying and oh man you're putting it on the devil and the thought comes who do you think you are that's a fiery dart Don't be concerned if you brought your breastplate of righteousness with you to your prayer time, it'll just bounce off like a Nerf dart. (laughs) It won't injure you. But so many, they've made progress in the spirit arena and Satan's backed them out by firing the fiery darts of the thoughts and the feelings of who they are outside of Jesus got to stop falling prey to that Amen. so what are you supposed to do with your past supposed to be forgotten god was so sweet with me one of the things one of the first things he really spoke to me about i don't know how long after it was a good while after that experience at the frat party i would just torment it in my mind about all that I had done wrong and how I'd messed up what I thought was my future and blah blah blah. And uh, God said, "I want you to go read Proverbs ten seven and stand on it." Well, I know what Proverbs ten seven says today, but I didn't know it back then. I don't know that I knew there was a Proverbs. <laughs> That's how green I was. Proverbs ten seven. What's that? I had to find it. Probably used my index in my Bible to locate it. You know what that verse says? Blessed. The memory of the just is blessed. That's what he said. The memory of the just is blessed. He said, stand on that. I'm going to do that for you. I thought, man, that sounds good to me. I didn't know what even stand on it meant. Put it down on the floor and stand on it. What's that mean? But I think I knew what I meant. He meant, think about that verse. Talk that verse. Quote that verse. Read that verse. Keep that verse before you. Well, I did. And you know what God did? I was so surprised. I thought God maybe was going to delete my memory. Now, some of you, you've been through traumatic experiences. Maybe you were beaten. Maybe you were raped. Maybe you were uh, betrayed. Maybe you, whatever. We all have a whatever. And they're very hurtful and they're very real to us. And the devil would love to just make you a, a, a wounded soldier and, and you're just going to live in the triage unit in the body of Christ the rest of your life. That's where he wants you. As a casualty. Wounded. Broken tormented. I thought he might just delete that memory. I'll just wake up one day and be like, I got hypnotized and that just thought, just I can't find it. That's not what he did. That's not what he did. What he did was he removed all, everything negative, harmful, and hurtful emotionally that was attached to those memories. He removed the shame, the guilt, the pain, the anguish, the torment, all of it. He removed it, but he left the memory intact. Now why did he do that? Hmm? He did it to preserve my testimony. How awesome is God? You went through it, right? Paul went through the addiction. He went through the lost decade. God's going to redeem it. How? He's going to take what God did... And he's going to have Paul get up and tell it. Amen. And you're whatever. He wants you when it's appropriate. I don't know how many times I've, I've talked about my experiences in those late high school, early college years in private settings with young ladies and couples in different settings, always accountable, always with someone present, you understand, and has absolutely helped. The, I tell this story to, on some level to the youth group every year. And I'm happy to do it. doesn't bother me to do it. But the only reason I could is because God blessed my memory. You know what Paul said about death? He said, oh, death, where is thy sting? See, the sting of death, even your physical death, the sting of that has already been removed from your life. I remember Brother Hagin's Sunday school superintendent was a farmer. He fell off the top of his tractor cab down into the turning spokes of the combine. That's pretty gruesome isn't it? was taken up for dead. Brother Hagin prayed him back to life. God did it, it through Brother Hagin's prayer. And so the superintendent has been healed now, raised up and healed. And he was mad at Pastor Hagin. Mad at him. What in the world? I was in heaven with Jesus. And Jesus said, I had to come back. And I said, I don't want to go. Married and all. I don't want to go back. Jesus pulled this curtain back so the man could see down in the earth and saw his pastor down there in the hospital room praying. See, you have to go back. What kind of authority do we have? See, that's what I'm saying in prayer. You have to go back, Jesus said. Not up to me. Dad Hagin, your pastor's down there. He says he needs you, so i got to send you back down there. Oh, he was mad. But then when they asked him, Brother Hagin said, What, man? You fell into a combine, brother. What was like? He said, All I can tell you, the last thing I remember was the feeling of falling. And the next thing I know, I'm with Jesus. See, he never felt that. Never felt that. Because why? We're redeemed from death. Should the Lord tell you his coming, your body will die, but... You're not even going to feel this. It's not even going to sting. If you just believe the word, it's not even going to sting. Yeah, right. I recently had blood, just annual blood taken. It's going to hurt worse. That's probably going to hurt worse than me dying. Now, I know I took you way out there, but I've got whole teachings on it. Amen. But see, the Lord can bless your memory. Come on. Brother Jerry Jr., whenever God leads him, he's with somebody, meets somebody, stand up, tell the good, the bad, and the ugly, and what God did right in the midst of it. Now, he's an angel. I don't, I'm not, talking, I don't, not trying to put anything negative on him. I'm just saying we all have testimony. Yeah. <laughs> right? But that human psyche, it could be so wounded that psychologists would tell you they repress those memories. You try to recall them, they're going to have meltdown. See, the power of God, that's the power of God yeah. that could touch, that could actually leave a memory intact, but remove the pain from it. That'd be like having a compound fracture broken, bone, but the Lord just took the pain away. That don't hurt. No, that don't hurt. <laughs> Are y'all with me today? I didn't get to where I wanted to go, but I feel like I need to let you go. I about put in you all all that you could take. You're like full. (laughs) Hallelujah. Come on, aren't you glad there's a thing called the breastplate of righteousness? And it's not based on what you did. It's not based on what you didn't do. Don't disqualify yourself from being blessed. Don't disqualify yourself from what you're called to do. Don't disqualify yourself from having a great future. You're going to live forever. Future's got to be good, right? Praise God. Father, I just pray today that, God, we've pointed just briefly to some.